This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Hey, good morning, one and all. Charlie. Good morning. How are you doing? Looking very rested and suntanned. Well, yes, I am. A few days away. Uh-huh. Uh, by the way, coming back from uh, Prince Edward County area mm-hmm. yesterday via the 401, uh, ran into uh, one of the heaviest downpours of rain. It was one of those torrential, oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it didn't just last like five minutes. It went on for about an hour. You, it was probably a cloud. Oh, you were my. probably driving. That's it. It, it came right from the, over the top of you. <laughs> That's no, right. No, you probably were traveling with it. Oh, I see what you or mean. Or it was traveling with you. Yeah, but or I was whatever. going in a westerly fashion, and usually things come out of the east, don't they? Yes, usually, yes. but not always. Oh, well, all right. Rain it was east. an anomaly then. Oh, get it. All right. I always love using that word whenever I can. Thank you for letting me sneak it in. Oh, good morning to Sebastian, who is uh, the tutor today. Matt is uh, flying solo on the board, our, mm. our operator. So when but I Sebastian's get his, mentoring. That's right. Now, is the, mentee. Sub, the deal is, is Matt going to be answering the phone? If so, that's the voice you will hear when you call this number in mm-hmm. Toronto, 416 360 0740, and then anywhere else in the province you'd like to talk to Charlie, ask a question, make a comment, by all means. Here's the number, 1-866-740-4740. Please call early, call often, one question per call, and let Matt or Sebastian know if you're a first-time caller. Whoop, I snuck out the bell up here. There we are. You'll get the bell that welcomes you to the show. That's right. And you get your garden wings. Exactement. Yes. Now, yes. Uh, now Charlie says, well, I have a chance. It's my show. Yes. Uh, yeah, you can, now you can I say anything? You can say Did you want to shout out to all the people? No. Good. Okay. Moving on. I uh, <laughs> uh, just wanted to update you. Yeah. I did... Get a hold of something called Lawn Guardian, which is a little package that you find in a refrigerator yeah. in a garden center, and took it home, followed all the instructions to get those little nematode eggs yeah. off of the sponge, and you know did uh, followed all the directions. And the rain was perfect because the, you need moist mm-hmm. soil to plant your nematode eggs into where you suspect grubs are eating. Right. And uh, it's already my lawn's looking better, so I thought I would just let you know that. So that's a, an update. The other thing is we had a caller uh, probably a month ago now, and the question was about composting in the urban environment and whether it was a good idea or not a good idea because of the risk of varmints, um, mice, raccoons obviously being sort of traditional urban varmints, but then rats came up. Oh, yeah. Right? And so I asked somebody who is a you know very, very skilled uh, gardener who has been living in the urban Toronto environment for many, many years what she thought about composting in in the downtown core, uh, you know, residential downtown core. Mm-hmm. And she said, and it was interesting, she said, 
she's of the thought that the best way to do your composting when you're in the urban core like that is don't put your composter directly on the ground. Put it on a flat um, patio surface or patio stones and use wire on the inside of the composter, whether it's chicken wire or whatever, because you rats can be a problem. And rats will burrow down under and then nest in your composter. So by putting it on a hard surface, they can't come from beneath. And by lining the inside with some wire, they can't sort of chew through uh, at the bottom. Or, bottom line, only use your composter for garden waste and don't put any kitchen scraps into it at all, even eggshells and coffee grounds and any of the things. That, that really just uh, attracts. Yeah, well, it's really, that, really that. good for the garden. Mm-hmm. But if you suspect that rats could be a problem and might be attracted to, to all those delicious smells, then just don't even compost it. But do obviously compost leaves and weeds that are not flowering and, you know, any grass clippings, any of that sort of thing is Excellent to, to continue composting with, and you will not run any, into any issues with, okay. with animals. Okay? Excellent, excellent. All right. Okay. Uh, is that uh, the That's list? Of, the of the gist of what I have to say so oh. far, unless and you wanted you know, me to keep going. No, I got a shout out. I forgot, I forgot a shout out. Oh, you forgot a shout out. <laughs> on, on the way to uh, our vacation spot in Prince Edward County, mm-hmm. uh, went down Highway 28. Uh, south to hit the 401 and two kilometers before the 401. In other words, at Port Hope, if you go two uh, kilometers north okay. on Highway 28, there is the neatest store I have ever been in. Oh. It's called Primitive Designs uh-huh. and it has everything. I mean, carvings, all sorts. From all on, over the world? Like, all over the world, indeed. Uh, but you, uh, I swear, you could go there and spend five hours and, and still find something you hadn't seen in the last five. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. Really? But they have, you know, the, uh, what they call them, transformers, as the kids used yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. They have the, those outside, 30 feet tall. Oh, made of Made of uh, engine parts and stuff like that. Just wow. Ab- but carving from all over the world. Wacky. Absolutely beautiful stuff. So huh. to the folks there at uh, Primitive Design, mm. happy good day to you. All right. All right. There so we're are. all set to go pretty well? I think so. All right. We, we will We will be, uh, uh, I was going to say back, we never leave. Yeah, we're true. still here. But we do have to hear from our sponsors. So, hey, let's do that right now. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And on this beautiful Saturday morning, mm-hmm. let's go to the lines right away. Uh, from Ridgeway, Carol is on the line. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. Morning. Morning, uh, Charlie. What's going on at your place? Okay, I was wondering if you could tell me how I can eliminate chameleon plants. They've taken over part of my front garden, and I want to do it without damaging uh, or killing my dwarf uh, Japanese maple, which is just gorgeous. But these plants have just taken over everywhere, and I, I've tried digging them up. I've tried various things, and I they keep coming back. Yeah. Um, chameleon plant is the common name. The proper name is Houtinia cordata. I was just uh, showing Frank some photographs. Uh, How do you spell on that? Houtinia is spelled H O. You, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, hold on, let me go uh, make sure I spell this right. H-O-U-T-T as in Tom, uh-huh. U-Y, 
H-U-T-I-N-I-A. So Hutinia cordata. And it it is a plant that once established can be very difficult to eliminate because when you're digging and you leave any tiny piece of root behind, a plant will grow off of that root. I noticed they're all intertwined underneath when I was digging them up. I'm trying to dig them up. So there's really only, the real only real options are that you continue to starve the roots of <clears throat> being able to grow by continually breaking off the leaves and stems. So whether it's using a hoe, excuse me, <clears throat> scraping the surface of the soil, ensuring that, that the, the plant isn't thriving because the leaves are not being allowed to grow, eventually it will, it will die. So could I use my lawnmower? Oh yeah, you could, but still, that won't be low enough. Like you've got to, you've got to get right down to ground level and eliminate any stems, any leaves, and just continually do that. <clears throat> it might take a couple of years, but eventually the plant will die, okay. or plants. The other thing that might speed things up would be to use what's called solarization, which is a dark plastic over the soil, uh, right. over the plants, over the soil, um, held down by rocks or timber or whatever, and you are starving those plants of of any air, of any light, and of any moisture, and eventually they bake under that plastic. And would you start doing that in the fall? Yep, you can do that, and you would have to leave that plastic to solarize. If you'd started that in the fall, you would need to leave that there until probably July next year. Like, you would just sort of keep looking. So uh, I could leave a cutout part from my Japanese maple. That's right. Like, I wouldn't encircle the entire Japanese maple because otherwise it's not going to get any moisture, right? right. So you're going to have to stay off the, the Japanese maple. That'll be your one area that'll be a bit tricky. Okay. By hand, you'll have to just continue to pull the chameleon plant. But otherwise, I would just try solarizing it. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to try that. And also, okay. can I have you one quick question? Oh, What's oh. the best time to transplant a hydrangea bush? <laughs> you, you know, that's pretty sneaky. Just after I said one question per call, too, Oh, Carol. I never heard that. Oh, yeah. That's that's the motto. Of, I'll tell you what you got to do. It's only fair to everybody else who hang on I the know, line or calling. So give a call back. You know, we'd love yeah. to hear from you again during okay. this show. But, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much okay. for all the information. Thanks for calling. <laughs> it's one one question per call. But, Patrolman Proctor here. But call, call again. Don't hesitate to call again. Yeah, I mean, you never exactly. know. You might get through. Okay. Hey, Georgie from Toronto. Welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I've got a cyclamen plant that mm-hmm. I bought, oh, I'd say maybe April or March, April, and it's bloomed wonderfully well. Mm-hmm. And now the leaves, uh, not the leaves, but the flowers themselves are getting faded. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's the end of the cycle because I'm not getting any new ones. What I'd like to know is how I can keep it over the winter and mm-hmm. get it to bloom again next spring. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, honestly, cyclamen are interesting. Uh, as the flowers fade and they'll start to shrivel up, just pluck those, you know, flower and stem entirely away from the plant and compost. Keep the plant um, watered through a saucer at the bottom. Never water cyclamen at the top. Always put water at the bottom. Keep it in a bright spot. And the cooler the temperature, the happier the cyclamen is. Yeah. Okay. So what but you should, I mean for the for the winter yeah. after the flowers die what am I going to do with it You're going to keep it where have you got it now on a window ledge I have it on the windowsill now yep. on the north windowsill Okay so you're going to keep it on that windowsill all winter 
and you are going to find that it will continue to flower. It will actually, I mean, it's real peak time for flowering is sort of the January, February, March time frame. But many cyclamen, just like many African violets, when they're very happy, will just keep flowering. So just keep doing what you're doing. Leave it on the window ledge, only water from below, and don't let it be a soggy plant. Make sure that it does dry down between waterings. Feel the soil. Uh, you know, don't keep it super saturated all the time or it will just rot and turn yellow and die. But, but what you're doing sounds fine. Yeah, and no fertilizer. Nope, not now. In when, does it, next, when does it get? Next February, March, you can start fertilizing again. Okay, thank you ever so much. Thank you, George. Here we are on the Garden Show of Zoomer Radio, looking outside on this beautiful Saturday here in Liberty Village, and I, and I would think uh, the rest of the province as well. The fun continues with Charlie and, and Frank, too, uh, just moments from now. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the old sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Sous chef. Sous chef, yes. What did I say? Sous chef. (laughs) Maybe I did. I think you're still on holidays. I think so. The brain is not really clicking in. Yeah, I know. I do know that we have a line open right now. Okay. Folks want to call either, well, if you're in the Toronto area, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else, it's toll-free, 1-866-744-740. But I know on uh, the line right now, Doris in Oakville. Good morning, Doris. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on? I have a question. Mm -hmm. Um, We have three young maple trees Mm -hmm. in the front of our house. And uh, they're healthy looking, they look good, the leaves are fine, but right at the bottom, they're, the whole three of them, they're all dark. Uh-huh. It looks like somebody <laughs> chewed them. <laughs> huh. Dark as in sap is dripping out of them, or, or what do you mean by dark? <laughs> they're just in dark color. The bark. The bark is a yeah, different the bark. color. I don't think anything's tripping out of them. Anything tripping out of them, dear. No, I just wonder what would be making them, like if it's dark, like wet kind of dark, uh, or just a different color at the base. I mean, many, uh, many maple trees and, you know, the bark of the, many of the trees, our street trees, get lichen growing on them, and you'll get yellow or green or gray growth on the bark, and the stems of trees. And it doesn't hurt them at all, does Yeah, it? and it's, it doesn't hurt them at all. So that's not a problem. I'm just wondering, yeah, what, how they're dark. I guess I'm a bit, just a bit confused. Yeah, um, there's a bit, of ca- a bit of a cavity on each of them, too, almost like something cut, cut it. Hmm. You know what I would do? Perhaps you could send a photograph, take a picture of sort of what's going on, and send it to my email address here at the radio, and I'd be happy to take a look. Okay. And sometimes, you know, and I mean, I hate to suggest this, but I've seen this happen on my street twice, where people are driving. I live in a super suburban street in Richmond Hill, and, I, and late at night, you know, somebody's driving and isn't paying attention to a to a curve in the road, goes over the curb and hits the tree and breaks the bark off. And it's amazing that these trees survive this kind of abuse because, you know, a big chunk missing out of the chunk of bark and, you know, part of the trunk is missing. But the trees keep surviving.
thing. They're pretty, nice, nice neighbors. You've pretty got, tough. Really. Yeah, Jeez. I know it. My neighborhood is what, what, driving around loaded or something. Never a dull moment on my street. <laughs> well, we have a very busy street too, yeah. but the trees are well back. Yeah, yeah. We so, have got some lovely little animals around. Yeah. In fact, we've seen a family. Of raccoons. Yeah. <laughs> the other night, and yeah. I know there's rabbits. Yeah, and Some... raccoons won't chew bark. Rabbits are always are going for the green, like they're unless yeah. in the middle of winter there. But they would wouldn't typically choose chew maple bark. They would go for yeah. the euonymus way before they'd go for the maple. Well, so they, they almost look like uh, if they keep going, they would fall over. But yet the Leaves are healthy and well. There's no spots on them or anything. Yeah, I mean, I can only think of gir- they could have grown girdling roots, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the show. That Norway maples have a tendency to to kill themselves by underground girdling their own their own root system and, oh, and really? suffocating themselves. But you wouldn't see that typically in the trunk necessarily. That'd be happening below ground. So like I said, maybe take a photograph and okay. send it into the show, into my my email address and Frank will give my email address for everybody. Yeah, I'll I'll give you a moment to uh, run for a piece of paper and pencil, Doris, okay? <laughs> and and we'll get that done. Uh, you had as as uh, Doris runs to the little kitchen drawer where we all keep an extra pen or pencil. Yes. Uh, by all means, uh, keep in mind too that uh, oh Charlie, last week we started out talking about the nematodes and you started the show and everything going well there so far. Huh? Yes, indeed. Yeah, good. Okay, Doris, the number yes. or the the email uh, uh-huh. address for Charlie Dobbin is this C dot Dobbin. That's D O B B. I N mm-hmm. at mzmedia.com. Okay? Okay. That's great. Uh, so that's Dobbin at mzmedia.com. But you've got to have a C, the initial C, C dot Dobbin. C for Charlie dot okay. Dobbin. Okay. Okay. Thank Thanks, Doris. Thank you, and we hope that uh, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll fix that problem or look forward to See getting picture. The, uh, the picture. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, quite close to Toronto is Mississauga, of course. There's mm-hmm. Bob. Good morning, Bob. Welcome to the show. Hi, uh, good morning. Morning. Uh, Japanese beetles. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two years now, I've had traps out for them. Mm-hmm. And they're getting so bad that one trap had three inches a minute. Uh. And they're still, I'm watching them right now flying around it. You know, they sent for them. Uh-huh. And they're inundating the uh, raspberry bushes. They're living off the leaves on top, and then you find them in the roses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any natural enemy running? Because I don't know where they came from. But... Japan. <laughs> Japanese yeah. beetles, yeah. Uh, ori- originally. Um, okay, so here's the scoop on the traps. Are you on a really big property, or what size what kind of size property are you on in Mississauga? I don't know. I've got a 40-foot linden tree in the backyard, and I've got probably 30 feet by 30 feet in the backyard. Okay. And do you have around your property, is there like a, a schoolyard or a park or a ravine or anything? No, there's no ravines. Okay. No. The reason I bring it up is because the traps that you're using are very effective. They are so effective that you end up attracting Japanese beetles to your property when you put out the traps. So My neighbor has one now, too. Yeah. So I, I love them because they really work, but I hate them because... 
instead of having, you know, a hundred Japanese beetles chewing in your garden, you're going to have a thousand Japanese beetles arriving. Some I of which... I killed over a thousand. Well, I was going to say, I'm talking like on a daily basis. And some of them, of course, will end up in the trap or traps. So I'm not a big fan of using the traps for that reason, unless you have like a, a parking lot or a, a schoolyard or something where you can put the trap close, but not actually on your property. Uh, and I find that can be quite effective. The, um, the only other way to really control Japanese beetles, believe it or not, is by hand picking them. Oh, I do that. I squeeze them in my fingers. Yeah. And they're hard as a rock. My wife won't. Yeah. Well, you know what I do? Because I don't like the squeezing thing. I, I just have like a, a soup can or any kind of a can, yeah. and I put a little bit of water into it and a drop of oil, just any old oil. It, uh, so that it sit, you know, basically the oil sits on the surface wife, of the water. My friend's going out at nighttime with a bucket of soap and water. Yeah, and same thing. Yeah, same idea. Drop I, a I soap. Probably put it on my patio. Drop of oil. Phone. Yeah, and they, and they're such slow moving bugs, right? You can just pick them up, drop them in, like they just. Oh, they're stupid. Oh, they're, they're really they're, stupid. They're easy but they I chew know. everything, and they really wreak havoc. So I personally, I would not recommend the traps on your property. That that would be the first thing. You will lower your population right away by eliminating the traps. They're not cheap. I mean, they're no. about thirty-five bucks. Yeah, I know. And like you said, the, they they fill up. <laughs> and like I said, they work. They really work. But that's you're you're ending up with more Japanese beetles than you actually really should I'm have. I'm gonna move it away from where I've got it now. I'm yeah. There's a, there's a shed and a lot of cement area on the on the lot of cement about fifteen by twenty. Yeah. Okay. I'll put it in there. I let the cat watch them going. <laughs> <laughs> the cat's <laughs> the to do, yeah. But, but continue to collect them as you're doing. And, and I know, and the only other thing you can, sit, is, can consider to save really favorite plants, like say a special rose or something, is what's called a, a floating row cover. And it's just like a piece of cheesecloth or muslin. And it doesn't look very pretty, but it very much protects the plants from the beetles chewing on it. Uh, and uh, where, where do they come from, though? I mean, they just... No, the winter doesn't kill them. No, and well, they, they spend the winter underground as a grub. Like when, you, when we think about talking about grubs in our lawns, the adult form of that grub is a Japanese beetle. Are they very big or like the, uh, the uh, June bugs? Uh, June, exactly. June bugs is one. European chafers is another. And Japanese, Japanese beetles is the third. So those, all three of those beetles start as grubs eating the roots in our lawns. They're white. Yep, ugly, really ugly. My wife found one in a rose. Yeah. My wife bug, and I'm going to um... So, yep, just keep picking and drowning and squishing and eliminate the traps would be my suggestion. And, okay, and they are well, cyclical, right? We, like we have years where we have, the populations go up and down. So you're obviously got to... Every seven years they come. That's right. You mm-hmm. got a peak season going on there with the Japanese beetles in your yard. Okay. Thanks, Thanks for your call, Bob. Bob. Yeah, I hope, Bob, you have a... Chance to say sayonara to the Japanese beetles here. <laughs> hey, John, the Mississauga, you are on the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Frank. Morning, John. It's hard to get you guys these days. Last week I tried, but anyhow, I'm here. All right, good. I'm glad you got through. <laughs> Charlie, uh, I have maybe, what, 30 plants of tomatoes. Yeah. A um, couple times I took the leaves from the bottom. Yep. I did quite a bit, mm-hmm. but I'm noticing that this year the crop is not the same as, uh, as in the past. Did I do something wrong? Hmm. You know what? 
I think, well, okay, so you have been rotating your crops, right? You do move the tomatoes around, or what do well, you do? not much. You know, yeah. What I do, though, I rotate the soil, because what yeah. I do is, for example, what I have the garlic, I, I, get, I get a wheelbarrow, and I, I push, I push it. it's, a, it's a little bit hectic, hectic, like, I mean, it's a little more labor. Yes. Um, so I, I move the soil around. Okay, maybe nine inches. I think I told you this way in the past. Right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that's so good. So at least it won't be more or less in the same. But this year, the soil is because I put manure, I put, uh, I put peat moss, you know, and, and it's, I have a few tomatoes, but not like in the past. So I was wondering whether maybe I trimmed the leaves too many. So, well, keeping in mind that tomato plants, I mean, the stems are green, all the other leaves are green, there's lots of good photosynthesis going on. We had a late start to the spring, uh-huh. but still, I, um, and the varieties, have you changed up any of your varieties, or are you, you, you're still, you t- are growing the same? Uh, well, <laughs> no, we more or less grow the same, because what my wife does, you know, we start them from seeds. Yes. Right? And, and I have, believe me, I have bullheart, I have... Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, pepper tomatoes, you know, b- b- all kinds. Yeah. So, but you're just finding that the, the crops look small this year. Yes. Lightweight. Uh, uh, and are they... A, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. It's, it's, not, it's not lightweight, but it's not as plentiful. As you would like. You know? Uh, tell me, do you save the seeds? Yes. Yes, you do. Okay. Yeah, from one year to the next. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, you know what? We... Uh, I wish I and you've been feeding them obviously. Oh yes, yes. And yes, yes, do you yes, mulch at all around the garden? And watering obviously is important. I water yes. This year I didn't go anywhere, so I watered yep. you know in the morning. Hmm. Um, right from the bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't I don't wet the leaves. <clears throat> I, I mean, don't know. Maybe they are too crowded, but they are a foot apart. But they go. My goodness, Charlie, they go up. <laughs> That is. Oh my God! You know, five feet, six feet. Yeah, but a foot apart is pretty tight. So, a certain amount of shading going on of each other, uh, with the hot and hu- heat and humidity and lack of wind, we get you know a certain amount of heat buildup and obviously fungal. This is where blights can start happening. So, keep that in mind that there, there might be a little bit of something going on. So, keep an eye on the leaves that are still there. Mm-hmm. I do thin my the leaves on my tomatoes as well, starting uh-huh. about two weeks ago, and I typically will remove the leaves that are really blocking the green tomatoes because I want not entirely because you don't want all of a sudden expose them because they'll get sun scalded but I do like to you know it speeds up the ripening if the actual fruits are receiving some sunlight Uh Um, and but I don't you know it's kind of random where I take the leaves from I don't just from the bottom I'll take it from leaves from wherever Never take off more than, you know, a small percentage of leaves. You know, it's five or ten sort of leaves at any one time. I think this year, I think I overdid it a little bit because in the past, like I said, in the past, I didn't do it as uh, even my neighbor has said, John, why are you taking so many? I said, well, I said, I want the sun to go to to the fruit. Right. Right. But then, yeah, so maybe you've slowed down the ability to photosynthesize as a result. Well, have you, when was the last time you fertilized? Um, it's been around a month now. Do you still fertilize now, Charlie? I would, yeah. I mean, with something like tomatoes, I would, for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just cranks. Because I some... medical growth, I do. I, I, oh, yeah, that works. You know, and then yeah. I, you know, I just, like I said, at the bottom, even, mm. that's again, because by the time I go in there, mm. um, 
So, yeah. so you, were, you, you think I should uh, fertilize again? I would mix I'll up do some. It this morning, I'll do it today. Yeah, I would mix up some fertilizer now. Mm-hmm. Of course, we wouldn't be out fertilizing our roses right now because no, it's no, too no. late for the perennial plants. But with the annuals, like the vegetables and the flowers, even the herbs, perfectly reasonable to continue to fertilize those and certainly maximize the crop. And yeah, I think it sounds like you're right. You probably did remove too many leaves. You probably shocked the plants and yeah. set them back by removing so many leaves so suddenly. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay? Thank you. Thanks a lot for your call. Yeah, good to hear from you, John. Thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Uh, Charlie, as you know, uh, when I come into the station this morning, I find a little packet uh, waiting for me in the mail. And uh, the latest edition of the Old Canadian Almanac, Farmer's Almanac, is in. Yeah, so how come you get that? I don't know. I guess uh, they like me. They must. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't just but, send one to me. No. Well, I, I'll bring it in, and yes. we'll deal with some interesting facts and figures from it. I know. Anyway, and we've got tons of other callers we're going to deal with, too, including Claire and Bert, who are on the line, and we'll get to them very shortly. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams. You picked the right place for Everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And little Frankie Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden. <laughs> little Frankie Well, Proctor. I'm five foot. Actually, I'm shocked. I got weighed my doctor's about a month off, oh, but two months ago. Yes. I've lost an inch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I was 5'5", five five, now I'm 5'4". Five five what the four. heck is going on? Anyway, phone numbers. We'll we get some high free. heels for you. <laughs> 416 360 0740 in Toronto, and then anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740, and I won't delay any longer, Claire. You are on the air, Claire. Here. From St. Catharines. Yes, Welcome. indeed. Hello, Claire. Good morning. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Hi there. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, we have a split-leaf maple bush, a mature bush. Uh-huh. probably two feet high by about four feet. Mm-hmm. And last summer and this summer, towards the end of the summer, it's getting crispy on the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I know why. Tell me how much sun it's in. Uh, it's in the east, facing okay. east. Yep. It, gets so it gets morning sun. Morning sun, okay. It's next to a house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... But, you, but I, it grows very well in the spring and yeah, early summer, yeah. and now it's all crispy. So, the, okay, so this is a Japanese maple, and what, what you're calling a split-leaf maple is, uh, it's like a, a, a filigree leaf. It's a yeah, lacy yeah. leaf. Uh, it's not a, sort of a traditional maple leaf. It's uh, quite a lovely shrub. It sounds like it's a weeping variety. And it is. The crispiness yes, it is. comes typically, as you point out, in August, and it's usually got to do with heat and drought. So believe it or not, that maple has is showing some stress of, from lack of water by getting crispy leaves earlier than it should. Ah, oh, but with all the rain we've had? I know, but we've had, we had a full, almost three weeks there with no rain. And it was hot, hot and windy. And this plant really shows, uh, that's how it shows its stress. And of course, remember when it's hot and windy, the evaporation of the moisture is very, very quick. So we think the the trees are fine because they look fine. But honestly, you really have to think about them and remember to water them when we get into the long periods with no rain at all. Just a slow trickle from the hose for an hour or so for deep watering purposes. 
Thank you very much, okay. Charlie. You're very welcome. Thank okay. Thanks Have a great day. And thank you for joining us here on the Garden Show, Zoomer Radio. And uh, here's Bert from North York. Good morning, Bert. Bert from, sorry, not Bert. Oh, I, I thought it was Bert. That's, well, no. What is your name Bart, again? Bart. Bart. Oh, a, Bart. A R T. There you are. Bart. I got Welcome. You. My question, good morning. My question is, I've got, uh, I phoned you here a couple of years ago about uh, spy apple trees. Mm-hmm. I've never had any more than half a dozen apples on one tree. The other one doesn't bear at all. It's close to an, the neighbor's apple tree. They're just mm-hmm. loaded, hmm. and I only get a few apples. But you get lots of flowers in the spring, right? There's there's hardly any. Oh, okay. Hmm. So it's connect, that's so. It's not lack of pollination or pollen. It's lack of flowering. That's no, yeah. No, I I usually dig down mm-hmm. in. Uh, Maybe about six inch, inches, and you know those water bottles? Oh, yeah. I cut the ends out, put mm-hmm. those in, and the water, and put fertilizer in. It doesn't help. Hmm. When do you do that? In the, er, the early spring. Right. Um, but it, do you, I'm wondering, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of deep root feeding. Um, not a big fan of digging around the roots any more than necessary. Yeah, but on the drip line. Yeah, yeah, but even so, that's because that's where the feeder roots are is on the drip yeah. line, which is important. Um, I there is a gizmo out there that's a called a Ross root feeder, uh, available I believe at Canadian Tire and Home Depot, those kinds of stores, and it's just a long, but a meter long, hollow tube that has a sharp little point on it and a hole in the end, and you uh, attach it to your hose, put fertilizer in the little reservoir, and use that to to place fertilizer down under the lawn, which is always good, because if you put fertilizer on the surface of the soil, the lawn tends to take it all and get it down to where the roots are. Yeah, but you don't get as much water like when on those water bottles. You can fill those up to the top and put the water in, and it just goes right down into the root system. That's right, yeah, no, and you can keep running the hose, excuse me, with the the root feeder as well. You know, you can get as much water out there as you need to. But tell me, you, you don't have lawn growing right up to the trunks of the trees, do you? Or, no. No. Okay. Good. So you've got, and have you got mulch around the the yeah. base of the tree, I've the trunks? Tried everything. Yeah. And you, when you do your pruning, you do it in February or March. Yeah. Yeah. And you have looked up, or you have some books on how to prune apple trees to maximize fruiting. Yeah. Okay. Take all the suckers out. Yeah. Take out the suckers and yeah. Hmm. Um. And the yeah water spouts they're called the straight up growth. Uh, okay. And. The fertilizer you're giving in the early spring is for flowering plants or fruit right. trees? Right. Hmm. And you've had these spy apples for years and years, right? Fourteen. Yeah. And, hmm. It's a tough one. Why that's aren't That's why you can't buy spies in the market. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Why? Because they just they aren't known for flowering. Well, it takes too long. A farmer won't wait 14 or 15 years before he starts producing on the trees. Well, and remember this year we did have that late frost. We had that late frost in May. And one of the things about the spy apples is that they do bloom later than the average apple. Yeah. And and so that's – it's a good thing because they don't typically get hit with a late frost. But that frost we had was like May 23rd, and that was a super late frost uh, in the even here in the GTA. So that could have affected the crop this year as well. Um, and, I mean, your neighbor has other trees, not spies, obviously. Yeah. And uh, obviously, and do you notice when the flowering difference that his flower... God, and his trees, 
Usually you load it with apples. And obviously, and does it flower quite a bit earlier than yours? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Tough one. I have no, I have no simple answer for you because it sounds like you're doing all the right things. Hmm. Hmm. But the apples, I'm telling you, they're, they're delicious, and they keep uh, right into the winter. They, yeah, they're, they're great they apples. They like the other Max and that. Hmm. Well, so, um, so a good friend of mine, speaking of Prince Edward County, which mm. Frank was doing earlier, a good friend of mine named Colin Campbell runs Campbell's Orchards out mm-hmm. in the county. Colin's going to join us in September here on the show. He's going to come into Toronto and we're going to talk all about apples. And he's going to talk about some of the varieties he grows and some of the, the tricks to apple growing. So I'm going to try and remember Art. And if I don't remember, please listen and don't hesitate to call in when Colin is here. Because is it, what he, is it, the first week in September? Um, I think we're going to try and have him here about the 20th of, of September. Yeah. 19th, 20th. I forget which Saturday that is. But uh, yeah, um, I'd have to look at a calendar to tell Best you Best thing sure. to do is, of course, keep tuned on every always, show. Always listen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he, and he yeah. knows everything about apple growing. So he'd be the, the one to really ask this question uh, yeah. of why are you having such issues with the spies, particularly because he grows lots of varieties out in the really? county there. Spies? Well, good question. That would be one Maybe for I him. I don't know. I think we'll have to ask him <laughs> that. Uh, I've certainly got some great apples from his, from his orchard, though. So, yeah. um, so hold that thought and call in in a couple of weeks. Okay. 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 Thanks, Bart. Have uh, a good weekend. Thank already, you. thank you so much. And as we say goodbye to Bart, that leaves. Not one, we've got a couple of lines open right now. Uh, in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And you'll be reaching Charlie on the Garden Show. And we'll reach out to Barry to talk to Sheila in moments. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And a good morning from the sous chef of the garden, <laughs> Frank Proctor. And you brought up a good point just yes. moments ago before we came back on air here. Um, no first-time callers have called in this morning. No, th- none that have identified themselves yeah, as so such. Please, when you're calling and talking to Matt or yes. Sebastian, let them know if indeed you are a first-time caller. Because we, Frank really likes to ring his well, little yeah, bell. Yeah, I love that bell. He just, it oh, just makes him happy. Well, Sheila, you're not a first-time <laughs> caller, I take it, from Barry? Huh? Oh, oh, she certainly isn't. She uh, hung up on minute. you. No, I think we're okay now. <laughs> uh, I think we're okay now. Hey, Sheila. Yes. Good morning. Uh, are you uh, a first-time caller? Uh, are you there? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my co- problem is I have a weed that I think they call gout weed. Yep. Um, kind of a light green and white. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already pulled it out my garden, um, like oh, I'm talking about maybe 20 feet long, uh-huh. and uh, it's all back again. I know. And, and we go through this every year, and I don't know what to do about it, and then it, it kind of goes under the fence to my neighbors, and if they don't pull it mm-hmm. out, then, of course, it, it comes back to me. And, and uh, um, any ideas at all? It's in all around my flowers and so on. I know. That's a really tough one. You know, it's funny, interesting that you would call with this question now at, towards the end of the show because our very first caller oh. uh, was calling about chameleon plant or hutinia, Carol from Ridgeway, exact same kind of thing. This is a plant that it's pretty, you plant it, you don't realize that it also falls into a category called invasive, it, though, yes. though the catalog would call it vigorous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So, well, I've been in my house for 15 years, and it's been here for 15 yeah. years, so... Um, 
It's very invasive. <laughs> yes, and it's it's only you know it's to it actually truly eliminate it is very very tough. I mean, it's dig dig dig, leave a little bit of root behind, and it grows back. And the the roots on the on the agapodium or goutweed can go down a good eighteen inches or more. Oh my god! So it's just you got to keep just keep removing all that above ground growth. Whenever you see a leaf start to pop up. Pull that leaf off because eventually you will starve the roots of uh, the ability to photosynthesize if they have no leaves. And eventually the roots will die. But it is oh, a very great. long process. Yeah. Um, well, I've been going down maybe six inches mm-hmm. thinking that was a long way down. But if you say 18 yeah. inches. No, then, it goes yeah. a long way. And, and when it's all mixed in with your regular plants, it's virtually impossible to go in there and, and do that solarization thing we talk about, which is the dark plastic laid over top of the garden bed, right. which will uh, starve the plants of moisture and sunlight and eventually kill them as well. I, I tried that one time and I grew another weed. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Under the plastic? Yeah, it just loves darkness, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. Uh, well. I'll, I'll try that. Just keep pulling it up every time I see it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, thank you very much. Love You're your welcome. show. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Bye. Good luck in eradicating that, boy. That sounds like an awful darn thing. Like I nuisance. know. It's like, you know, it's just like so many things. You know, you buy them and you think they're going to work. And, and they take over. That's they take right. Over, they yeah. take over. Like some relatives moving in. And they yeah. take over. My God. No. Keith in Caledon. Let's get our last caller on the air here for the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yep, you're there, Keith. I'm a first-time caller. Oh, oh hey. Excellent. Wait a minute. No. <laughs> there you go. Welcome to the show. And you now have wings. I have um, a large spruce tree, mm-hmm. and the bottom branches are spreading across the driveway. Spruce or if fir? I trim the bottom branches, can I plant flowers underneath? Okay, is that a spruce tree or fir tree? Uh, 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 spruce. I think it's a blue spruce. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Could I plant hostas underneath? Yes, you could. You could. Uh, um, my real honest thoughts on trimming the lower branches of spruces is that you shouldn't unless you absolutely have to because the natural form of the spruce has those beautiful boughs coming right down to ground level beautifully and gracefully, softly connecting with the like earth. Exactly. And then the snow falls and, of course, the snow beautifully sheds off because of the form of the tree. If, as in your case, you have a problem with getting in the driveway or in the front door sometimes happens, uh, you may need to remove those lower branches. And if so, yes, do some raking out of some of those brown needles. Get a little bit of fresh soil in there because it will be very rooty. You won't have, it won't be easy to dig. And yeah, you can certainly plant hostas under there. Periwinkle will grow under there. Sometimes people will even, if they end up pruning high enough, will put some rhododendrons in under there because it's quite an acidic environment. Oh, okay. Okay. Give that a shot, Keith, and uh, thank you for joining us. We're just fresh out of time here on the uh, Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Thanks for your call, and call anytime. And thanks to all the callers. Yes, exactly. Couldn't do this show without all these great callers. matter of fact, you're right. (laughs) I know. And and thank you, of course, Franklin, and thanks for coming back from your wonderful holiday to join us on the Garden Show. My pleasure. And uh, and also, Matt did a great job today, and Sebastian, thank you for all that. Uh, Next week, we've got, you're going to tell us some more... Neat oh. tips from the Farmer's Almanac, Absolutely, I think. I'll do that. Okay, excellent. See you then. Bye-bye. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.